This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. What do we do? What's our role? How do we come together as a community, as a village, to, to solve this issue? Competing interests take the stage in Des Moines. The Department of Human Services, on behalf of the governor, just made up a bunch of numbers that you can't really tie back to any actual savings. One party not used to being in the minority. There are a number of them who have never served in the minority, and, and there are some differences. Uh, obviously, they're not in charge. How the Democrats intend to handle the legislative session, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. The election six weeks ago changed the political landscape in Des Moines, with Republicans gaining the majority in both the Iowa House and Senate. Two weeks ago, the landscape changed further when Governor Terry Branstead accepted nomination as ambassador to China. How will Democrats react to the pending issues before the legislature, with Iowa government firmly in Republican hands? Later in this program, an extended interview with the new leader of Senate Democrats, Senator Rob Hogue of Cedar Rapids. One of those who won election last month as a Democrat in the Iowa House is Raz Smith of Waterloo. The seat was open but had been held by a Democrat. As an African-American in Waterloo, Smith has a perspective on certain issues that may be unique among those in the legislature. He has been a frequent speaker at community forums in Waterloo. I think globally we have a lot of communities who are trying to repair pillars. We don't have a good foundation because of some of the things that we have or have not done in our different communities. It's really difficult to get those pillars put back in place. This is the reality of our situation. We're having homicides more frequently than than, than we have had, or at least they feel that way. We're having more shootings than we have had, or at least it feels that way. What do we do? What's our role? How do we come together as a community, as a village, to, to solve this issue? A hot-button issue for Democrats continues to be managed care of the state Medicaid system. Democrats held a session in Des Moines last week to hear from those who are not satisfied with how things have gone so far. One critic is State Senator Joe Bolcom of Iowa City. It was a rough start. It was, it was way too fast. No other state's done what we've done and as quickly or with every single person. There's more than 500,000 Iowans that depend on Medicaid for, for service, and nobody, nobody put all, 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 all the various groups on at the same time and so quickly. So we had a lot of concerns, and I think we, we're still hearing from, from, from providers that aren't getting paid uh, on time, aren't getting paid what the company said they were going to pay them, we still hear from consumers who get multiple answers from the, their managed care companies to the same questions depending on what day they call. There's still a, a bunch of challenges out there. Probably the biggest concern or one of the biggest concerns is that this was also, it was sold to us from Governor Brand said that it was going to save money and people were going to be healthier. And at this point, and it's early on, but it doesn't appear that it's going to save any money. In fact, it's going to cost more money when we when we add the profit motive to these three companies. We're going to give them somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six hundred million dollars a year to administer the program. That equals about twelve percent of the funding. And the old Medicaid program, the system we had, we we're spending about two to three percent on administration. So there's going to be a bunch of money leaving Iowa to these three insurance companies who are going to make a profit on really uh, people that need our help and that are sick. And so I think, the, I think the questions for 
for the supporters of this are where are the savings? Uh, where where are the savings? So the conversation, the Department of Human Services on behalf of the governor just made up a bunch of numbers that you can't really tie back any actual savings. Joining me now is the veteran political reporter for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids, James Lynch, a return guest to this program. From the Democrats you've spoken with, what approach are they taking to not only being the minority party in both chambers, but to have different leadership in the Senate than they've had for some decades? Well, the first thing for many of the Senate Democrats is to learn to be in the minority because there are a number of them who have never served in the minority, and and there are some differences. Uh, obviously, they're not in charge. Their caucus won't be in charge. Um, they won't be committee chairmen and chairwomen. Um, so there, there are a lot of changes to get used to um, just from that standpoint. And, yes, uh, they have a new leader, uh, first new leader of the Senate Democratic Caucus in 20 years. Uh, Mike Gronstall from Council Bluffs had been a leader both in the minority and more recently in the majority. Um, now with uh, Senator Rob Hogue from Cedar Rapids uh, filling the Senate minority leadership position, um, obviously it's a change of personalities. It's um, He doesn't have the history uh, with the legislature that uh, Mike Gronstall uh, had. Um, but he's you know he's a sharp guy. He's a fast learner, um, and I and I think he's um, I think Rob understands uh, the situation of where Senate Democrats are, that they are minority, that their role changes um, now that they are in the minority. What about rank and file Democrats? Do they look at this the Gronstall defeat? as an opportunity to sort of remake the party, just as the Democrats are looking to do nationally? Or are they a little more concerned about how they move forward in this time of uncertainty? Um, Uncertainty is the key word, because I I don't think uh, too many of them thought they would be coming back without Mike Gronstall at the helm. Um, So I think there's sort of some adjustment there that they have to get used to the fact that he won't be there and you know and, and Mike Ronstall was a very um, strong leader a very knowledgeable leader um, who I, I think rank-and-file Democrats really counted on um, you know not only to be their leader but to have their back and and to um, and so I think the change is you know created some uncertainty um, but yeah I, I mean I think it, it probably has caused his defeat as well as the defeat of other Democrats of, you know, that have put him in the minority position now, you know, it has caused them to um, sort of think about what they need to do. And I don't know that they have a plan, uh, you know, a real solid plan at this point. But, yeah, I think some of them are probably thinking about, you know, how do we remake the party? What do we need to do to get back to the majority? That's the big question is how do we get back? Is it a two-year plan? Is it a four-year plan? How long does it take to get back to the majority? And obviously, it's going to be at least two years of them operating this way. Do you get a sense from the Republicans that they are looking to, for lack of a more delicate phrase, steamroll things, or are they looking to have a bipartisan approach to governing? Well, I'm sure if we we asked them, they would talk about bipartisanship and cooperation (laughs) and uh, uh, working together and those sorts of things. But yes, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing, there's a lot of pent-up demand now. There are things that Republicans have wanted to do for years, and 
uh, Senator Mike Gronstall and the, and the Senate Democrats blocked those things for better or for worse. And you can, you know, there's a whole list of things. Gun regulations, abortion restrictions, um, tax reform, uh, and pretty much you, you can go down the list of major legislative topics, and there were areas of disagreement. I, I think there are some Republicans who look at the situation now, larger majority in the House, obviously the majority in the Senate now, and they would like to steamroll these things. Um, and I think there are some Democrats who are afraid that's going to happen. I, I was on a call with the Democrats a, a week or so ago, and they were suggesting that, you know, it's going to be over in a week. The session will be over in a week because Republicans will have destroyed everything that Democrats have worked for for years. So, yeah, I think that there, is, there are some people who would like to steamroll these things, push them through as fast as they can, get as much as you can in two years, because you don't know if you're going to be back in the, as the majority or the minority. Lastly, what pieces of legislation would you say are going to get passed in 2017 that wouldn't have if the Democrats were in control of both chambers or if it was split as it had been in the past? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, I think there will be uh, gun rights legislation that will be taken up. Some of the bills that have gone, you know, have been passed by the House, but not by the Senate in recent years. I think, you know, there may be some action on, um, you know, stand your ground legislation on uh, allowing children under the supervision of their parents to handle guns. Um, could be some changes to the concealed carry, uh, a whole list of uh, gun legislation there. I, I would expect that there will be attempts to restrict abortion, um, uh, you know, defund Planned Parenthood. Um, so I think that there's some sort of the, the social conservative agenda that will get a lot more attention this year. And and I, I think Senate Republicans are probably on board with a lot of those issues that the House has passed and sent over to the Senate. When you get into policy issues, I think we might see some tax reform, although it, that might be like a two-year project um, to put together some tax reform. There's talk of income tax reform. Um, question out there that uh, will be interesting to see how they deal with it is, you know, will they change, raise the sales tax to put some money into that natural resources fund? Um, but I think tax reform will be one. I think there might be some changes on things like the school funding, the deadline for setting school funding that you know, Republicans wanted to do with that 30, do away with the 30-day rule. Uh, and wait until after they get uh, March revenue numbers before they actually decide some of those budget numbers. So I think there, there are some of those things that will happen. Um, some of these will happen in 2017. Some might take longer to put together You know, some of the larger policy issues. James Lynch, political reporter for The Gazette in Cedar Rapids, online at thegazette.com. Coming up, my conversation with the future Senate Minority Leader, that's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state 
to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. I'm joined now on the phone by the Senate Minority Leader, Senator Rob Hogue of Cedar Rapids. Obviously, from the time you were elected by your caucus as the Senate Minority Leader, a lot of the landscape has changed with the anticipated departure of the governor sometime during the session. What are the top priorities for you and your caucus moving forward now as the minority party in the Senate? Well, I would say a couple things to that, Jeff. Uh, number one is we know we're going to have to play some defense. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm an old-style uh, Hawkeye basketball fan. I like Tom Davis. I believe in the folklore press. So if there are things that we think are really going to do damage to our state, uh, we will obviously be speaking up uh, for the islands who would be affected. And uh, that's part of our job in the minority party. Uh, we are also going to be trying to, to play some offense. Um, we, we really want to reach out and listen to islands across our state and uh, work with people because I think if we work together, uh, we can have good jobs, good benefits, good schools across our state, uh, vibrant communities. And, and, you know, we've got some real problems as a state. Uh, we have over 70 counties in our state have lost population, not since the farm crisis, but since 2010. And so we've got a lot of work to make sure that we're providing the the jobs and the schools and the and the strong communities that people need all across Iowa. Earlier this week, the revenue projections were lower than had been anticipated. That's going to affect how much money there is to spend in the next fiscal year. How do you intend to meet your goals with a tighter budget? Well, I, there are a couple things there, uh, Jeff. First of all, to the extent that they've reduced the revenue projections for the current fiscal year that we're in, uh, to me, that is exactly why we have rainy day funds, and uh, they shouldn't—you uh, know—they shouldn't be able to leave an impression with people that our budget is somehow bad. It's always been balanced; it always will be budget balanced. We're required to balance our budget in the state, and so people shouldn't panic and think there there are necessarily draconian cuts coming our way. Uh, we're going to make sure that we're providing the resources we need government to function, and I think that's important. Uh, going forward, uh, I do have some concerns. Um, you know, uh, if you compare our economy in Iowa right now to the national economy, Iowa is lagging behind the rest of the country. There are places in this country that have really strong economic growth. Uh, they're really booming as, as in, their, in their states, and we're not. And I think it's because... Um, Governor Branstad has taken us down this path of trying to grow our economy with tax cuts. And I don't think if you look around our region, that's the way you do it. In Minnesota, much stronger economy, they haven't been doing it through tax cuts. 
Kansas, they've tried tax cuts, and it's almost uh, it's almost ruined their state. They've had to shut down their schools early. They don't have enough money to, to fund basic functions of government. So I think we have a lot of work to do on on that going forward. Uh, I will say um, one other thing, uh, Jeff, on this. Uh, the Senate Republicans, newly in the majority, their first decision was to eliminate our Economic Growth Committee. And that committee is really important, not just for um, creating new programs that help our economy grow, but for reviewing the existing efforts and providing the oversight we need to make sure those dollars are being spent effectively. So I think that was the wrong step. I thought that was the wrong signal for them to send, uh, that, that they don't really care about economic growth. But, but we're going to be focused on, on policies that help provide good, good jobs, good benefits for people across our state. Some may think this to be a little bit of inside baseball, but I think it's important, and it is a process question. The Democrats had a leader in Senator Gronstall for decades. He now is no longer going to be in the chamber. The job falls to you. So what kind of reworking of the caucus is necessary, A, with your leadership style as opposed to his, or B, just the fact that you're now the minority party? Well, Jeff, a couple ways to respond to that. First of all, uh, I thought Senator Gronsall did a good job. He is probably the most successful Democratic leader in the history of the Iowa legislature. He had been the leader of this caucus, the Democrats in the Senate, for 20 years. Uh, the last 10 years, we've been in the majority party. And that is quite a track record. And, and I, had, I admired Mike, and quite honestly, I wish he was still back as our leader. But uh, the voters in Council Bluffs, decided to make a change on November 8th. Um, I'm not Mike Gronstall. I'm going to do things differently um, just because I'm a different person, and, and I, think we, I think we need to make some changes. I intend to be much more inclusive of all of our members, uh, to, to work with people, be very collaborative in our approach. Um, and then I also know that part of my job is going to be to, to listen to Iowans and, and uh, stand up and speak up for them when we see things that are, that are being proposed that would hurt them. And, and so that's, that's one change. I think I'll be more visible uh, on the floor, I think, than Mike was. Um, another thing I will say is we need now, this wasn't necessarily the situation before November 8th, but we need now to really work hard to reach out to listen to Iowans across our state. Um, you know, we only have one member who lives west of Interstate 35, and that's in Ames. So, so we've got we've got we're going to work really really hard to reach out to people across this state and listen and make sure that uh, that we're reflecting uh, their um, you know their needs and their dreams as well as the people that we represent in our own district. We recognize that we need to be accessible to people across this state. When you announced your campaign for the U.S. Senate going into 2016. I asked you what you thought at the time was the top issue that would be facing you as a U.S. Senator, and as I recall, you indicated it was water quality. So now as Senate Minority Leader, what is the top issue? How important is water quality, and what would you do about it? Well, Jeff, water quality is a, is a very important issue, and it is one of the areas where I'm actually hopeful we will be able to make bipartisan progress. I'm especially excited about uh, Kim Reynolds' Uh, becoming the governor, because uh, Lieutenant Governor Reynolds, when she was in the state Senate with me, she voted for the Natural Resources and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund and submitting that to the voters. That's the 3 cents 
uh, on the sales tax for water quality and other other natural resources programs. Uh, so I'm hopeful she will embrace that. She has ownership over that issue in a way that Terry Branstad did not. Uh, so that is one of the areas where I'm hopeful. Um, it, it's going to require additional public resources. But more than that, it's going to require cooperative watershed management across our state. You know, people don't need to wait for government, government to be part of the solution, but we also need to know we need government to be a partner in solving this problem. You mentioned that soon-to-be Governor Reynolds served with you in the Senate. Do you think the fact that she has the experience of working in the chamber with people from both parties, recent experience to where you all know each other fairly well, do you think that may lead to a different solution, a more bipartisan solution, as far as the lawmaking process is concerned? I am very hopeful that is the case. Uh, I served with her, as I mentioned, for two years in Iowa Senate. She served on a committee that I chaired. I chaired the Rebuild Iowa Committee after the floods of 2008. It was a special committee that we set up to deal with all those disasters, and she was there. Uh, She was a very good committee member. Um, I enjoyed working with her. It's exciting for me personally to actually know the governor. Uh, Terry Branstad has been either governor or former governor since I was 15 years old, and I never felt like I got to know him at a personal level. And I do know uh, Lieutenant Governor Reynolds. I'm looking forward to working with her. And I think this is a real opportunity for her to say, you know what, we're going to work with legislators on a bipartisan basis much more than Governor Branstad has done. He's been pretty adversarial to the legislature since he came back in 2011. And, and that's true not just with Democrats, but also with Republicans. He has vetoed a number of things that have strong bipartisan support. And so I'm hopeful that, that she can turn the page on that and really make this a much more collaborative form of government. And I think if she does that, it will serve her very well in the long run. Senator Rob Hogue of Cedar Rapids, the incoming Senate Minority Leader. And that brings us to the end of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again, or a list of stations that carry the program, and more. iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.